and welcome back for the fifth episode of the Oxley Golf Club's podcast, In the Bunker. I'm Kelsey and I'm your host for this podcast. It's really hard to believe that we're now already into the second month of 2021. Where's the last six to 12 months gone? But just a quick reflection from myself before getting into this week's episode. Since starting at Oxley a mere five months ago, it's crazy to look back and see the small but oh so mighty changes that we've been able to implement over this short time. Although we've had to deal with COVID restrictions, we have for the most part been able to stay open, apart from a very short three-day Brisbane lockdown. The camaraderie that I've seen, the friendliness and the friendship that I've witnessed around OGC is definitely one to be admired. So I just wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone that has welcomed me in with open arms. From the good mornings to the chats at the bar, in the office or in the foyer on my way into work. Ladies, you know I'm talking about you. I really love the wonderful environment that everyone has cultivated here at Oxley. So without further ado, let's get down to business. The reason we decided to do this podcast was to bring a very, very new way of connecting with our members. We currently send a weekly newsletter out. However, more often than not, people say to us, oh, I didn't see that or I didn't know that that was happening. Maybe the email ended up in their junk or they didn't get a chance to read it. So we decided to try this new form of communication and connection. And I must say, we've had some really great feedback. Each episode, I try and chat with a different person from around the club. Uh, We discuss anything from course conditions, like last week with Glenn, right through to clubhouse antics. This week is a pretty exciting one. I'm sitting down with club president, Glenn Selleck. Glenn, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Kelsey. How are you? Good, thank you. I know that this will be your, I believe, sixth consecutive year as the club president here at Oxley. Uh, I think it's something like that, yeah. There were a couple of years prior. Yeah, I was... I was vice president to Margaret Donovan in 2009, and Margaret unfortunately fell ill early in her second term or third term, I think. So I took over from Margaret then, and then I did another year, which I I think I completed that in 2010. I left the board and came back as vice president for a couple of years, and after Wayne Dawson retired as president, I became the president of the golf club then. So and you haven't looked back. I haven't looked back. <laughs> You've been a member for 20 years. and 30 years. Well, 30, well, 30 years now, but you were yeah. a member for 20 years before you joined the board. What was it that made you say, you know what, I want to actually be involved with more than just playing here? Okay, all right. Now, actually, I'll correct you on that. I'm, I was silly enough, I was only a member here 10 years before I came on the board. So I've actually been on and off the board for the past 20 years. So... I came on the board in 2001. I was tapped on the shoulder by the then president, Axel Drillis. I've got the accounting qualifications, so they needed a treasurer. So I came on as treasurer. And at that time, the golf scene was very different. We were making $80,000 a year, nearly $100,000 a year from pokies. We had strong membership and golf was doing pretty well. So that was when I took over there. So I then served as treasurer under Adrian Holton Pickard, John Walton during the, the drought of the 2000s. And then I was Margaret Donovan's vice president when Margaret was here. As I said, I left. I came back as vice president under Dawson, Wayne Dawson. And then I, after he retired, I became president some years ago and <laughs> I'm still chugging still along. Here. <laughs> still chugging along. Look, it's made easy because we've got a pretty good board. We've always had good boards at Oxley and they've all worked together really well. And you've probably seen it just in the short time you've been at the club. The board works pretty well together yeah, and everyone's pulling in the same direction and all those sorts of things. I just think that at the moment we have a board that has a real blend of skills that can help the club going forward. We've got guys who run $40 million businesses and employ 60 people. We've got solicitors. We've 
we've got auditors for the Queensland government, small businessmen, managers. So there's a great range of skills across the board. So boards poised and in a great position to uh, to take the club forward. But as I've said, the boards in the past have been really good. So it hasn't been that much of a chore. And also the members here are great. We've got really good members at Oxley. I've never been a member anywhere else, apart from in Melbourne, of course. But in our Oxley members, I believe there's something special about it. We're almost a, a country club in the middle of the city. People are friendly that way. We've always been known as a friendly golf club. We stand strongly in Brisbane golf. We've always had a presence in Brisbane golf. The club's one of the oldest in Brisbane. We're in our 90... Was it 2001? 90, into our 94th year now. So we celebrate our centenary in, in 2028. So club with a great history, great people, great spirit. Great course. Great, great course. Not without our problems last year, and we'll probably talk about those a bit down the track. But um, as I look out the window now, the course looks fantastic. We just had another 45 mil of rain or something, so the dams will be full, the grass will be growing, and the boys will be out on the mowers. So speaking about the rain, were you on the board when the floods happened here? Yeah, um, what was I? I think I was. <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, I think I was. Yes, yeah. yes, I was. Well, prior to the floods, we had the, the drought through the 2000s. Yeah. So John Walton was very good during that as president because really the club was in huge trouble. We, as these things happen, just before the drought started, the club used to get effluent water from the Bow Hill Road sewage plant, which is over the back behind the retirement village off Blunder Road. We used to have a little dam that we used to pump it into behind the old second fairway. And then we got a message from Brisbane Water or the equivalent at the time saying, oh, by the way, you'll be losing your effluent water in a month. So we had real problems. We were the first course in Brisbane to be fully reticulated irrigation, which we used to use from the treated water. And we lost that in a month they were going to do it. They, they kept us on for a little while longer. We had free ta- town water for a year. And then during that time, we put in the two dams, the big dam near three and four, and the catchment dam down on the creek level near the practice fairway. So they had to be done fairly quickly to give us some water. So that got us on the road. So that helped us during the drought. But during the drought, the, if you go back on Google Earth, we had not much uh, water in our dam and we were only allowed to water teas and greens so uh, the place was pretty dry. Obviously after the drought then came the rain. Yeah so the 2011 floods we I came down and there was I had to come in the back way because all the Blunder Road was closed off. Mm. As it turned out our boys uh, we've got a little dinghy in the shed the boys were out just checking the course out and they got snagged on the traffic on the top of the traffic lights down at the wow. corner down there so it was that deep at that stage that was early in the morning. I guess the, the big indicator on the fourth green there the big tree over on the the right hand side it was about four three or four meters up that so it was pretty deep down in that corner and it extended back up across the 13th and across nearly to the 12th green so i guess that's a really good indication too for people who weren't here at the time yeah there was a bit of cleanup but we were weren't hit as bad as some other clubs closer to the river like indrapilly or brisbane mm-hmm. so we were back operative fairly quickly none of our plant got wet so so we were the lucky. actual clubhouse was fine. high and dry yeah so was our machinery shed so was our pump shed so all of our infrastructure was largely unharmed so we were pretty lucky and able to get back to golf pretty quickly but see there's been all sorts of that bunker in the six has had a had a tank in it but it's also had various stolen cars in it over the time and we've had some exciting talk about police chasing people around well that that leads me to my next question i was going to ask do you have any funny stories i guess they all kind of roll into yeah well i guess i guess you know that's that's certainly one the, the guys playing i think there was a I think was it a hot air balloon landed here one day. I think over the years a light plane's landed here. We've had yeah, lots of police chases through the place. The nature of where we are, I guess. Well, I guess another thing too, now that up near the 17th green there, we've got um, the SWAT team 
that's their home up there. So I was just playing last week and they were firing off shots down there and all sorts of things. But one day one of our members told me there was a group of ladies playing and he he went up, I think he was playing off eight, and he looked over and they were crouched hiding behind trees. <sighs> up there because they could hear the gunshots and didn't know what was going on so it's an interesting place and of course we've got we've always had like most places colourful members yeah lots of stories with colourful members yeah I don't want to tell stories out of school but there's people who've accidentally hit the electrics on their wife's buggy and put them into the creek on the first and people who've gone to sleep in the rose garden downstairs and people who've fallen out of buggies and not spilled a drop of beer and all that sort of stuff not mentioning names not mentioning names of course (laughs) exactly So, Glenn, what are some of the changes that you've seen at Oxley Golf Club since you joined? Oh, wow. I guess when I first joined here, they were adding on to the clubhouse. So the area that's now the your office and the Angus Buchanan room underneath was an addition at that time. So that was the last thing. The clubhouse was, was built here in 1953 or 4. I think I put that in an old newsletter. It used to be up where the 8th tee is now. And apparently it had a dirt floor in the kitchen and all sorts of things. It was a real old old relic of the olden days. I moved down here in 54. A couple of additions since then. And then they put that addition in when I first came here. We've made some additions to the bar over that time while I was on the board we've extended the deck as well the pavilion there with the sail out the side which is uh, was named after margaret donovan after she passed that's an addition that's proved to be a great function area on the course as we've discussed we we uh, lost the effluent water and had to build the dams so a lot of the soil that came out of that we did a lot of mounding around the golf course obviously we had to change the third and fourth hole we had tra- the old third hole you can still see the green there up on your your right there we had a lot of balls going out on blunder road and we're paying for a lot of windscreens and so that had to be changed anyway so by by changing it with the dam around the back it's a much better hole and much much safer hole now too and the fourth was a 300 meter straight par four now it's a nearly 400 meter par four and i think it's number one on the card so it's certainly strengthened up the front nine so it is positive yes i said we did the mounting in my time i think we so we changed those two holes the second green's been changed the the sixth green's been changed a bit but it's a pretty strong golf course so at this stage we probably haven't thought of changing too much of it it's a championship golf course the the course record i think is 66 set by jason day when he was a youngster and it hasn't been beaten yet so it's a pretty strong strong golf course and holds up with the best of competition so on the back end of the changes here at Oxley Golf Club, what are some of the changes that you've seen in golf? I know earlier you said when you first started playing, things were very oh, different. Yeah, yeah. Can you explain maybe for some of the younger members and the younger listeners what some of those things could be that you don't really see anymore? Yeah, golf sort of had an unusual trajectory, I guess, in, in sporting terms. Golf was very strong during the Norman era in the um, late 70s through the 80s and into the 90s. So, of course, when I came here, golf was still pretty strong. Membership was strong. But golf, like a lot of sports, went into decline from that time. Membership started to decline. People haven't got the time that they used to have on their hands. Um, the expectations of um, what people do is, with their time is different now, particularly in parenting and all those sorts of things. So we've started to decline. The pokey revenue went away. Since we had the good pokey revenue, you know, th- three pubs on each corner have have got cornered that market. So that's a market that we're never going to succeed in. I was disappointed in the 2000s when Golf Australia decided to, uh, at that stage, golf clubs had exclusive rights to administer handicaps for golf. And Golf Australia basically sold that off to other interests so that non-brick-and-mortar golf clubs like ours had access to be able to give players who didn't have a home club 
handicaps. So people were able to play golf on golf courses without being a member of a golf club. So that, that affected us greatly. And I think on top of the natural decline in golf, that sort of made it really difficult. You know, things have been static for a while here. What We were looking at some figures the other day and what we found is that our revenues are about the same as they were 15 years ago and our expenses are about the same where they were 15 years ago. So with CPI increases, what that means is, is that we're having to basically reduce our expenses to match our revenues, which we should be doing. But unfortunately, that means that with CPI, we're not just not spending enough on what we need to be spending. In, it on. Yeah, in a business sense. Yeah, in a business really sense. Viable. Yeah, exactly. So, so we need to be looking in different directions as we move forward. Can you tell us a little bit more about how 2020 went for Oxley as a golf club? Okay, uh, 2020 was a challenging year, but like all challenges, you know, you see the, the people stand up and that's what happened here. When uh, COVID first hit, the then manager Brett Holland and James and of course Vani in the office put together a pretty comprehensive plan. So when the changes came, we were ready for it. So we actually planned, we had actually planned for closing down because we thought that was the way it was going to go. Fortunately, we didn't have to. So we were actually closed, I think, for five minutes. Chad um, <laughs> in the pro shop rang me and said, Glenn, we've got to close down. I said, I don't think we do. So we checked it. And we were always mindful that we wanted to obviously fully comply with the law to keep our members safe and our visitors safe. Uh, but we also wanted to stay open to keep our employees in work, to keep the golf club functioning. So that's what we worked towards. Uh, and the plan, the, the, the plan that the office staff came up with was great for that. And that was one thing, but then the pro shop had to, uh, as our front line, had to administer that. And I cast your mind back a year ago, things were pretty uncertain what this COVID was and where it was going. So the pro shop undertook a really strong learning curve, really, really steep, and did a fantastic job because they are the front line. Our bar staff, obviously our bar wasn't open, but we did have a supported job keeper for that. So they were great too. They were in here. I think they were stuffing envelopes to do mail outs. They had paintbrushes in their hands. The place has never been cleaner. So they kicked in as well. And our grand staffs, there was not only the grand staff had to contend with the COVID restrictions, they also had, and you've been spoken about the other podcast, the toxic spill upstream. Poor old Glenn, uh, Glenn Beauclair, our, our course supervisor, and I think he said in his podcast, geez, his Dan Murphy's account went up significantly during that time. Because we had the spill and we just didn't know what it was. We weren't helped by certain levels of government having full information on what happened but not telling anybody. So we could have been, I think Glenn did the right thing in trying to alleviate the problems without the knowledge of what it actually was in the first, it was probably nearly six, five to six months before we found out what the problem was. And then uh, we need to get on top of that. We, we're past that now. Fortunately, our insurance assisted as well. So we're probably looking at, we'll probably get about 160, 170,000. And the sort of things that that's going to do is cover the extra chemicals and fertilisers that we've used, rejuvenate some areas like the first and 10th tees are probably good examples. But that's all being spent on the golf course to bring it back to where it was. And as you can see, all you need is a bit of help from Mother Nature and some cluey people in our machinery shed. Things are back pretty good. Because the course was in great condition before the toxic spill. For old Glenny was... <laughs> everybody, yeah, everybody you talk to has definitely said that and that... Exactly. downhill, but it has bounced back pretty quickly. Oh, exactly. You know, it was like all of these accidents, it's, it took a lot of things to go wrong for it to happen, but it's something we need to be mindful of going forward. And obviously we need to look at our water storage options as well and uh, make sure we've got security for water because that's our lifeblood. Where do you see Oxley Golf Club heading into the future? Oh, look, Oxley's a strong club. We we've, we've haven't had some of the problems that some of our local competitors have. We've had responsible boards that, that have spent wisely with the funds that we have, but we've got some major 
major issues with our irrigation system. As I said, we were the first with irrigation, and that was 1975. And we've got virtually one man, and his whole job is just putting his finger in the dike, literally, patching up the, the irrigation system. And it would be great if we had a, a modern irrigation system that we could rely on. Also, we've got issues with water storage. We want to increase our water storage capacity. Our clubhouse is reaching the end of its useful life. So there's lots of stuff that we need to fund going forward. And whilst the club could go on, you know, forever in the way it is, you would inevitably see a drop in the quality. And one of the things our members are absolutely adamant about is our golf course, because Oxley Golf Club golfers are here for the golf. And we understand that. We want to get the golf course right. And to do that, we need to look for different ways to make sure that we can provide that going forward. You know, we've, we've looked at just some figures. I was looking at some figures the other day. Our membership peaked in about 2006 at 1,100 total. We're down about 650 now. Our seven-day members, I think, were... Well, they might have been around the 600 mark then. They're now down to about 250. A large proportion of those are senior members who receive a 50% discount. So our, if you like, the, the re- revenue that we get from members per member has decreased. So we've got to look for other ways as well. So do we want to put up membership fees? No, not really, because then it makes us uncompetitive with our market. Uh, do we want to look for donations from our members like other clubs have done? No, we don't think that's sustainable going into the future. Do we want more golf activity on the course? more people paying to play golf. Well, we do 50,000, 60,000 rounds a year now. It's only one golf course. It's probably not feasible. Do we use our land better? Well, the board came up with a proposition maybe three or four years ago to move all of our activities, our golf activities, across the road onto our lease land. I think it's a long-term goal. That's a way that we're probably going to end up and using the land that we own on this side for more productive purposes. And I think that's a way to, to go forward that we need to navigate to get there. I think that's a 20, 25 year project. But if that's something that we want to do as a board, well, that's probably something we need to be heading towards now. How yeah. long is that lease? <laughs> the nature of these leases is that they can only be 25 years. Now we've obviously rolled our lease over plenty of times three or four times I think. I think the current lease ends in, well don't quote me, but I think it's 2028, 2027, something like that. But we've got good relationships with the Department of the Environment who who, are, who virtually own the land or our landlord. We spoke to them in depth three or four years ago when we were proposing to move across and they were quite happy to do that. Our lease terms are that we use it for golfing purposes well yes that's what it's owned for sport and rec but it's also zoned for it's term of our lease uh, we wanted to put up some big billboards they decide that wasn't for golfing purposes so that's something that we need to pursue on our side of the land as well so we don't have any doubts that our lease will be renewed and we'll go on there's not much else that they can use that land for to tell you the truth most of it's um in a flood zone and a lot of it now has environmental overlay on it since the changes a couple of years ago so it would be difficult for any other uses on it so uh, we've we've looked after it pretty well for 93 years so i think they trust us to look after into the future so that won't be an issue there won't be an issue the issue is that we've got this land on our side that we own and you look at opportunities i'll talk about the board looking for opportunities to go forward boards in the past and and you know, no, no disrespect to those boards. I'm not entirely 100% sure of the circumstance at the time, but they had the opportunity to buy the land that the pallet yard was on and also the estate on the other side of Blunder Road there. They had the opportunity to buy both those parcels of land. If that perhaps had gone ahead, the club could have been in an entirely different position as what it was. So the board's been working for the past couple of months on a project to ensure the club's future, to diversify our, our income stream so that it's not just the members and golfers who are supporting the golf club. And that's something that we're looking to bring to members maybe next month to discuss it with them and see what the member member feel is about it. But we think there's a lot of intersections at the moment that make it important for the club to make good choices right now. We've got lots of expertise on the board. 
Money's never been cheap and it looks like it'll be cheap for a long time. There's some of our competitors are, uh, maybe we, we need to look at our competitors in the context of where we go in the future. So there's a whole lot of things pointing to the fact that maybe we should be acting now. So there's something we want to have a chat with the members about and get them on board with our vision for where the club's going to be going forward. So a little bit of a watch this space. Yeah, yeah, and it won't be too long. It really won't be too long. We've been working on it for a while. One thing we've been lucky for, as I've said, we've had great boards. We've also had good managers over the years. The last two managers in particular, Brett Holland, who for personal reasons left and it was we thought it was a marriage made in heaven we thought Brett was going to be here for uh, till his retirement but personal relationships have a way of changing how, what you do with your life and Brett's moved back into state and then we we're lucky enough to get Aaron on board and Aaron's a good friend of Brett so Aaron came in entirely clear about where the club was how the board functioned what the members were like what the golf course was like and Aaron for those who don't know Aaron's the president of GMA Queensland and on the board of GMA's Golf Managers Association on the board of GMA Australia so he's got his finger on the pulse he knows about golf not only in Brisbane but in Queensland and Australia he's got a lot of contacts throughout golf in Australia so he's been helping the board navigate its way with his expertise to get us on the right page to do things right for the club and the members Let's dial it back a bit. I feel mm-hmm. like we've just talked pretty serious stuff. Yeah. So to finish out this podcast, I would love to know a couple of personal questions. How often do you get to play golf? I was a, for a long time, I was a, a Saturday golfer and that was all I played once a week. But now I'm playing twice a week. You'd think that'd help your handicap. Nah. Maybe. <laughs> what is your handicap? <laughs> my handicap at the moment is, uh, I think it's 16, I think. I'd be happy with 12. Okay. If you see my swing, 12 is probably a good result. Yeah, attainable. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, twice, twice a week, so I'm enjoying that. It's good, it's funny, in that time, Friday used to be our second biggest day of the week. Wednesday's now our second biggest day of the week. That's because so, you're playing. Yeah, yeah obviously, right? well, I'm attracting them, yeah. <laughs> but, but everyone's coming to take my money, I think. So it's just just the way life's changed. Things change around golf clubs. What's one of the best courses, that, apart from Oxley, that you've played on? I, um, I don't get out and about too much, but I recently played at Mullaney. And that's just fun. It's not long. You've got to keep it in the fairway, but it's a really interesting course. And these are not major name courses. I played at Beerwa Golf Course, and Beerwa has probably the best greens I've ever played on. It's magnificent. And it's a flat course, but it's a really interesting flat course, so I really enjoyed that. And obviously, Brookwater is a great course. I like RQ. A lot of people don't like RQ. I think RQ is a really interesting course. You can smash it everywhere, but if you're not coming into the green from the right angle, you're in big trouble. But we're lucky in Brisbane, and as we've said, we're probably over-serviced for golf, and that makes gives us more of an impetus to stay relevant because we believe that, you know, probably in the next 10 or 20 years, there'll be less golf clubs in Brisbane rather than more, and we want to be one of them. Let's finish on this one question. Mm-hmm. What is your favourite hole? Well, I had a hole in one on the ninth many years ago, so I probably should say that. But look, I do like four. I think four's a tough hole, but you got the dam on the left, mm. you got the bunkers on the right, the green, if you're left of it, you're dead. If you're in the bunkers, it's a challenging shot. I think I think four's a really strong hole. And um, I remember, I think it was Lee, who was our club pro at the time, we stood him up in that corner and just got him belting as long a balls as he could do. So that decided where we we're going to put those bunkers on the right-hand side. So there's not many you can get over those bunkers. So it, it's a challenging hole. Generally plays into the wind. So I think four's probably our strongest hole. But of course, yeah, I do have a soft spot for nine because that's where I got my hole in one. Only one hole in one? In only one, only one, but... Uh, I'm not going to name names, but we've got some very good golfers here who've never had one. So I do feel that there is an element of luck in it, and I got lucky. (laughs) I know that there is a a passion on this 
in, in this club for the 12th hole with the tree in the middle of the fairway. I've heard of this tree many times. <laughs> yep. The thing with that tree, it was never in the middle. If you look at the way the fairway is shaped, it goes around, around to the outside of it. And part of the problem with the drought was there's a whole lot of trees in front of that tree that died during the drought. So it made that tree, that survived. I think that thing will be here if they drop an atom bomb. That tree will still be in the middle of the 12th. But that survived, so it stands out a bit. But it's not in the fairway. You've got to hit two shots, hit over to the 100 metre marker on the other side, and then it doesn't come into play. It's a pleasure chatting to you today. Before I go, Kelsey, just on that, I'm getting a, a lot of feedback on the podcast. So I think it's a great innovation. So thank you for doing it. And it's a great way for, for us to get information out. And I've got a, my, a great head for this. You know, it's uh, my face is better suited to audio rather than video but so you're in three days a week I know while James is away you're yeah so come James in. our golf manager is yep. at the end of this week going to be taking some uh, leave some paternity, paternity yep. leave so he'll be off for four weeks so I'll be stepping in and helping out um, five days a week coming up next week so if you want to pop by the office sorry James is not here to help I'll try and do what I can so. and the members might have noticed we've had a bit of tidying up done on all of our social media spaces and that's due to Kelsey. The app, the website, Facebook now is getting updated regularly with lots of great photos. So it's all down to Kelsey and she's doing great. And uh, the, the response that we're getting in social media hits has increased significantly without having to buy hits on our website, which people do. We don't do that. And we're number two of the golf clubs in Brisbane. So you're doing a great job. Well, thank you. And you'll do an even better job being here five days a week, not three. <laughs> thank you, Glenn. I really appreciate that. <laughs> thank you um, once again for jumping on the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, of our podcast please subscribe download rate and review at the platform you're listening to it on and if there's a topic of conversation you'd like us to talk about or you'd like to be on a future episode please stop by the office or send us a message on facebook instagram linkedin or twitter we're on them all we hope to keep you up to date with news from ogc we'll see you next time from in the bunker